0: Welcome to the Echo Community Church podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the message. God gifts very differently than we do. And we started to open up our minds to be curious about how has God gifted me personally and what does he expect for me to do with the gift that he's given me or the gifts that he's given me this week we're going to go a little bit deeper we're going to talk about very much more practically so this week probably a few more stories and practical application than perhaps last week so if you missed last week you can go back and listen to it Online uh, via our podcast, or you can go to our Facebook page and go back and watch the sermon uh, if you prefer to have the, the video piece to that. But today we're going to look real practically um, at how to discover my spiritual gifts. And uh, within this message, I am going to spend just a moment trying to do the best I can exp- do to the very best of my ability to explain to you the difference between what we would call a natural skill. Or a natural ability, or a natural talent. What's the difference between that and a spiritual gift? That's a pretty, that's a tough question to answer. But the deeper you get into it, it's important for us to at least have some type of a holding place in our mind to differentiate. You know, you've got one 15-year-old that comes to me and says, you know, I feel like my spiritual gift is, I just, I want to give my life to go overseas as a missionary and tell other people about Jesus. So I think being a missionary is my spiritual gift. And I got another one who's like, I can dunk a basketball. I think my spiritual gift is basketball. And it's like, okay, we got to help you understand a little bit of the difference between the gift of basketball and the gift of missions. And so um, I'm going to try to do the best I can to give you a, a working understanding of that without getting so deep into the weeds on that, that this becomes a really heady exercise and it gets intimidating and we get discouraged. Um, somewhere in between the extreme of not understanding how it works and having some understanding of how it works, we want to find that place this morning. Um, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Quick trivia question. Who wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians? Paul. Okay, and That's important to remember. We're going to come back to that later. Paul is an apostle of Jesus He was not one of the original 13 disciples, but he spent a lot of time uh, validating his apostleship because he said, you know, apostles were people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus. And they were people that Jesus said, I'm sending you out on a specific mission. And so the apostles in the early church had a lot of credibility, a lot of weight, because they were firsthand with Jesus in that 40 days after his his resurrection. Paul wasn't in that group. And so a lot of people diminished his credibility and his authority, but he did have an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so he constantly references that firsthand personal experience he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus saying, Jesus appeared to me that way uniquely because he intended me to give my life to being an apostle. And so he has some real weight and some real muscle to be able to speak to us about this. I'm gonna go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read part of this letter to you. Starting at verse four, he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. So you can already see why we're using this part of the letter and this message. But the same spirit is the source of them all. Okay, so he's already telling us there's wide variety, many different flavors of the spiritual gifts, but they all come from the same source, the Holy Spirit. He says there's different kinds of service or serving, but we all serve the same Lord. So he's talking about where is it in the conversation of spiritual gifts can we have lots of different flavors and variety and what things are supposed to be same and consistent, okay? God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in All of us. Now, verse 7 is one we're going to really look at closely today. If you get nothing else this morning, there's a high degree of likelihood that that's possible. Okay. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to, look at these next three words. Read them with me. Each of us. Maybe of is not as important, but at least the first and the third words. Each and us. Now, Just put a placeholder in your mind. Who is Paul writing to in this letter? Christians? Where? In Corinth, okay? So he's writing specifically to believers who will hear this letter read out loud in their church, which is probably several different homes throughout the city of Corinth, ranging in size from 10 to 80 or 90. And so he's saying, each of you believers in the church of Corinth, and by extension, those of us who would be Christians today, we have each received a spiritual gift, at least one, okay? Then verse, I skip down to verse, uh, a verse, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. So we're already starting to see a little bit of the difference between a gift and a talent. I can use a talent for anything I want, but a gift is something I'm using specifically to do one thing here, and we see another thing revealed later. I'm using it to help other believers to build up their faith and or as a sign to an unbeliever that points to the reality of Jesus, okay? So we're already seeing a little bit of the difference between a talent and a gift, and it is who is involved in the using of it, and how is it being used, okay? You might be able to dunk a basketball, but that's not building up the body of Jesus. It's not a sign to an unbeliever in and of itself. Now, there might be a story attached to it that you might use another gift to accompany a spiritual gift. To say, hey, I couldn't do this because of this, that, and the other thing. But man, you know, look at what God's done in my life. Okay? We'll get into more of that later. Verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides Which gift each person should have. So if you're a Christian, what this tells me is that you have a spiritual gift. And who decided what gift or gifts you got? Who decided? God did through his spirit. He decided. It takes the pressure off of us. You don't have to ask God for a gift. He gives it to you. He's given it to you. You get to discover it, deploy it, use it, feed it, develop it. But he decides. Okay? As Suba was praying this morning, Suba, I, I was thinking back a little over—I guess it was a little over, just over a week, like nine days ago—we had a conversation at the uh, at the memorial service for her grandma, Grandma Betty. And as many of you know, one of our very dear members of this church, founding members, um, Betty Burke, went home to be with Jesus just a few days ago. At the end of that morning. Uh, when we were at the graveside, Suba came over to me and she asked, she said, is doing funerals the hardest thing you do as a pastor? And I wasn't prepared for that question in that moment, but off the top of my said, head, I said, it's, I'd put it up there. There's two things that are hard for me personally to do as a pastor. I said, funerals, they're all different. And they're different based on the life of the person that we're grieving. And... There was, I think, everybody who was there, and most of you were there at the viewing and/or at the funeral. Betty has a lot of, uh, you know, two of her sons attend this church, and grandkids and great-grandkids. Many of us have been touched by the life of Betty Burke, and so that's the difficulty of that particular memorial service to me is the past, And listen, I'm not trying to put myself on the same level with with blood family. What's difficult as a pastor? is the personal sense of loss that I feel because I knew Betty very well, or I guess as well as I feel like I could know Betty. And I remember earlier in the day, during the memorial service, we gave an opportunity for different people to come and share something that they would like to share as a tribute to Betty. And there's something that one young man shared that I think really carries this out this morning. Uh, Her grandson, John W. uh, came up and was just sharing some really neat things about his grandmother. And one of the things he said was, you know, uh, one particular Christmas, um, you know, the entire Burke family was gathering together as their tradition was just, I think it was Christmas Eve, and they were just spending the holiday together, and all the siblings had done a gift exchange. And John and Deanna had a friend, I believe they said her name was Claire, um, that didn't have any place to go on Christmas Eve. And so John asked the family, hey, would it be okay if Claire just came along with us tonight? She doesn't have anywhere else to be and of course the family said yes and so when it came time for the gift exchange you know all the siblings are exchanging gifts and and, you know having fun with it and John said you know I'd noticed Claire was kind of hanging back you know not depressed or anything but just you know that wasn't her moment to participate in the gift exchange and when they got done he said grandma Betty had said wait we have one more gift and presented a gift to their friend Claire and Betty just knew that everybody that was in that everybody should get a gift and nobody was gonna be left out, there was no exception. So she on her own, very discreetly, had gone out and purchased Claire a gift, knowing that she wanted everybody to have a gift. And so she went out and got that gift and gave it to Claire. And I thought of that story as I was reading through this passage, in fact, I even built it into your, your notes. If you have your notes with you, the first thing that I want to lift out of this passage this morning is that everybody who has been saved by Jesus Christ receives at least one spiritual gift from God. There are no exceptions. Miss Betty got this. She understood that in her home, when it came time for gifts to be distributed, there would be no exceptions. Could you imagine how that environment may have felt a little bit differently? Not intentionally, but a little bit differently if you're the only person in a room who doesn't get to be included in the gift handout. I want you to know that what Paul is trying to communicate is that each one of us has been given a spiritual gift. If you have been saved, what do I mean by that? If you have admitted to God, I recognize I've done you wrong. I owe you. I've sinned. And you have confessed your belief in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection. You have accepted forgiveness for your sins. You've put your trust in Jesus. You've made him your Lord. That means you are saved. And if you are saved, what Paul tells us is that you have been given a spiritual gift, at least one. And there are no exceptions. No matter how old or how young you are. No matter how mature or immature you are. No matter how naturally skilled and talented or naturally common you feel like you are, you have received from God at least one spiritual gift to do something or to feel something or to act in some way with more efficiency, with more fulfillment, with more satisfaction, with more pleasure from God than other people can do, with the purpose of you being able to build up the life of another Christian or being an arrow to Jesus to an unbeliever. No exceptions. If you look to the Bible from the beginning to the end, you see all kinds of examples. Paul says there's many different gifts that God gives to his kids. You can see in the Old Testament, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament is Nehemiah because he was a great administrator. I believe administration, organization is one of my gifts. And when I read the story of Nehemiah, his whole deal was he, he was put in charge of leading a contingent of exiles back to a burnt out Jerusalem and having a construction project of rebuilding the entire wall of Jerusalem the whole time while they're trying to fend off the people who didn't want them there. And when the king goes to Nehemiah, the king of, you know, the, the king of Babylon that was going to release him and goes to Nehemiah and says, listen, I'm going to let you go home. Back to your homeland and rebuild the wall. Is there anything I can do to help? Here's what Nehemiah says. Well, it just so happens that I made a very detailed spreadsheet. We need this many logs. And if we have that many logs, we need this many nails. We need money for the things that we can't buy. Oh, we're also going to be traveling from point A to point B. And I've already done ways on this. And when I look at ways, there's there's some little places along the way that aren't too safe. And if you could write a letter in advance to let us go through there peacefully. He was so organized unusually organized and when you read about it it's like it wasn't a drain on this guy's battery he was like he was nerding out on the details you know god gifts some people in a certain way to use the ability to organize to advance god's kingdom read david's story long before he was a leader he had all kinds of things going on in life you know he was a good musician you know that? Dave was a good musician, singer-songwriter, way back in the day. Now listen, there's plenty of singer-songwriters out there, lots of talented people. The question is, what are they doing with what they're able to do? David, his music in one case, actually was able to minister to someone's mental health. When he began to play worship music, In the presence of King Saul, what happened? What happened? It calmed his angry, distressed, tormented spirit. Now, was that just talent? Or was there something infused in him using his gift that was ministering to somebody through the power of God? There was a gift he was using. And I realize we get into splitting hairs, Old Testament ways the gifts were used New Testament after Jesus. But well, you can see something greater than the sum of its parts in operation in the Old Testament when David began to use something God gave him for God's purposes. You can look in the New Testament. Goodness, when Jesus was brought to the temple as a little boy, there was an old man waiting there that God used. There was an old woman waiting there that God used. And they didn't wrinkle up their nose because they were farther on in age. God used them and gave them supernaturally abilities to confirm and to prophesy over baby Jesus' life to his parents. Goodness, you read through the book of Acts, you see all kinds of... You see people using different gifts of compassion and mercy to help people. And they put it to work doing things like sewing clothes. Speaking words of encouragement. Helping people out through manual labor when they need it. Every single believer has been given a spiritual gift by God, at least one. At least one. You've been given that gift... To glorify God, to help other people, to be an arrow to unbelievers, and do you also know what else? It will build you up. So what I'm trying to do today is help each of you understand I don't want you to live your life as a thief. What do you mean? I don't want you to live your life as a thief because if you're not discovering your gift, if you're not deploying your gift, if you're not developing your gift, you're robbing God, you're robbing others, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing God of the pleasure he gets when he watches his creation do exactly what he designed you for. You're robbing others because there are people that God has placed in your life for you to build them up or to be an arrow to Jesus and he's already put inside of you the gift that you need to be able to draw them in that direction and if you're not using your gift, somebody else is losing out and you yourself are losing out of the pleasure of experiencing God's pleasure on you, in you, and with you when you're active in deploying your gift. The unique fulfillment and satisfaction you get from saying, I know why I was made, and I am enjoying the the, the pleasure of God in fulfilling my life's design. There's nothing like it. And you're missing out on that. If you never care to discover what your gifts are, Or if you know what your gifts are and you're sitting on your gifts. Or you're not developing them. So I just want you to listen in this morning. I'm going to do the best I can to get to the how-tos here today. And I know some of you are thinking, I'm way beyond this. Awesome. Then this is review for you and then this is equipment for you to help somebody in your life that you're discipling who isn't there yet. I'm going to give you some, some next steps to help them get moving in that pathway. Okay, so here we go. Number two, a spiritual gift can be and should be discovered, developed, and deployed. I was so proud that I came up with three words, and they all started with thee. It was great. That was a good pastoral moment for me. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, right? But in this particular case, discovered, developed, and deployed. And I don't want to go too deep into each of those because, because this week we're going to talk specifically about discovering. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, about the deployment and the development. But let me summarize it this way. I gave you some extra verses that you can go to to see where I lifted these points from. Discovered. The good news is that if God gave you a gift, it doesn't have to be a secret. You get to unwrap it. You don't have to wonder what it is. It's very clear in the New Testament, in all of Paul's writing, that he meant for that he's God's using Paul as an instrument to tell believers the gift that he gave you is not meant to be a mystery it's meant for you to discover it because there's a certain confidence you get in using your gift when you say I'm pretty sure God has gifted me to do this versus I'm not sure or I definitely know I don't have this gift God doesn't want you to have to wonder these can be discovered and in fact we talked about it last week when Paul talks to somebody he's discipling a younger man named Timothy he says do you remember that time that you knew you got a gift from God In other words, we don't get a whole lot of information about what that moment was. All we know is that Paul said to Timothy, You and I both know you've discovered what your gifts are. Now you need to fan them into flame and use them to preach the gospel without fear and to not be ashamed to take on board any suffering that comes along the way. Okay? So you can discover your gifts. We're going to talk about that today. They can be deployed. That's what I mean. If you discover your gift, it's one thing to say, I know what gift I've got from God, or I know that God has given me these two gifts. My question is, what are you doing with them to either A, advance the kingdom, or B, be assigned to unbelievers? What are you doing with them? Well, I'm, I'm waiting for my moment. Your moment? Well, I'm waiting for someone to come and recognize my gifts and, and make a special pitch to me to come and use them. That's not deploying your gift. They need to be activated and used. Like I said, or else you're being a thief. You're robbing God, you're robbing others, you're robbing yourselves. And finally, they can be developed. Isn't this cool? I can develop my natural talents. And I don't want to get too heady with this. My natural talents have a natural ceiling. There's going to come a place where I am, you might have heard this phrase, the best version of myself I can be. The top of my... The, the top of the sum of all of my talent after I've been coached, disciplined, effort, hard work. There is a genetic ceiling on how high I can push this thing. You also may or may not have a ceiling on your spiritual gift. That's not a result of genetics from biological means. That's a result of what we can call them your spiritual genetics. A gift from God. And the beautiful thing is that Paul says to Timothy... Fan into flame your gift. In other words, whatever temperature your gift is, you can develop your gift. You may have a gift of, um, like you heard Suba this morning, being able to see a vision from God and then communicate it to people in the form of a word of wisdom where we're revealing to people supernatural advice that only came from God and not as a result of our natural means. Or a word of knowledge where we're revealing to people something that God sees uh, as a fact that's hidden from our eyes naturally, that when we hear it in our own language from somebody else, it's giving us some type of clarity about how to move forward. You know, I would, you know, her vision this morning that she saw, the way her, she communicated it was in the form of a, really two spiritual gifts operating side by side. Now, you can get better at that or worse at that. There's a whole lot. Of, if we unpacked everything that goes on inside of your mind, your heart, and your spirit, if you're seeing a vision... And you have a microphone, and you have to then take what you're seeing abstractly in your mind and put real words to it in real time, in such a way that both believers and unbelievers can hear it and know how to respond. There's a lot of little tiny things that can be developed and go really right or really wrong in those moments. Right? I told you the story before about one of my churches uh, growing up. There was somebody that was that uh, had a, a you know I would call it maybe a word of knowledge from the Lord, um, a word of encouragement from God, and. And they spoke up at an appropriate time in the service and said, Thus thus saith the Lord, just as I was with Moses when he went into the ark, so I will be with you. And there's this really awkward pause. And then the guy goes, Thus saith the Lord, I was mistaken. It was Noah, not Moses. (laughs) There was some error. Because somewhere between the spiritual gift which is perfect and our delivery of it which is human, there can be some room for development as a teacher, um, there's a difference between being gifted to teach math and being gifted to teach the truth of God. There's a lot of, if you just rolled it out forensically, there's a lot of discipline and education that can help you move those things forward. I hope that after 22 years of using what I believe is a gift to teach the Bible to people, I hope that my gift has developed from where it was my first year right out of Bible college. I just find that my ceiling and my appetite to develop that gift is so much higher than my ability to maybe develop how to fix a car engine. There's a certain ceiling there. Discover, develop, deploy. There's a whole lot of different spiritual gifts listed in, listed in the Bible. I gave you uh, several passages you can look up later. Um, let me, I, I, wrote, I wrote out a little bit of a list here of just ones I lifted out from those passages. Encouragement, giving, leadership, Mercy, prophecy, serving, helping, teaching, administration and organizing, being an apostle, discerning of spirits, faith, healing, helping, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, ability to perform miracles, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, evangelism, pastoring, hospitality, being a missionary. There's more. You realize in the same list as being a missionary is also speaking in tongues, and in the same list of speaking in tongues is also administration, In the same grouping is also serving other people and helping other people. There's a wide variety of gifts here. Depending on who you talk to, the Bible names, 22, 25, 27, 29, there's a lot of them there. Um. There's a few questions, though, that at this point in digging into what spiritual gifts are that may have already come up in your mind as we're going through them. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this today, but I, I do want to say these are questions that I wrestle through when I'm thinking about spiritual gifts. So we've got this long list. They're all for us to discover, develop, and to deploy. But there's a couple. Um, what is the line between my natural talent and my spiritual gifts? You, you lift out something like teaching. And you say, I have a friend who's not serving Jesus, but they are the most incredible third grade teacher you would ever want to meet. Man, the test scores are off the charts with their kids. Every child coming in, no matter where they are and their competencies, that teacher is somehow able to teach them as a group and then give individual attention. And you say, obviously that person has the gift of teaching, they have a teaching gift. We even throw that term around gifted. Oh, they're such a gifted Sprinter. They're such a gifted repairman. They're such a gifted politician. They're such a gifted teacher. And you lift out a term like teaching. And as we're trying to think through ourselves and what gifts we have, we might automatically assume that because I'm, you know, a college professor or a fifth grade teacher, or I'm, I'm a good coach and I can teach kids how to play soccer, or I can teach, uh, you know, uh, a young lady how to do gymnastics. That that means automatically I have the spiritual gift of teaching. But you take another gift, like healing, and you say, okay, the person running around who doesn't know Jesus, who's claiming to do healing, that is obviously not a spiritual gift. That is something very, very, very different. Some of these gifts seem much easier to put in the spiritual gift category with less hesitation over whether it's a natural gift or not. So what is the difference between my natural talents or a person's natural abilities or your passion, or your interest, or something you're good at, or just a a niche or a knack that you have, something that gives you great pleasure when you're doing it, or a spiritual gift. I don't know that I can answer that question fully to your satisfaction this morning. The good news is that whether I can answer it to your satisfaction or not is that you being unclear on that line in no way will get in the way of you discovering your spiritual gift. But here's what I'll tell you. I'll give you two quick differentiations, and then we'll move on. Natural gifts and talents and abilities are largely largely but not entirely a product of your genetics and your culture. Okay, they're largely biological. But let me ask you another question. Where do your natural talents and giftings and biological and genetics really come from? What do you believe about creation? They come from God. It's part of what we would call common grace. So even my natural talents and genetics, though they have a largely human factor, ultimately, originally came from God. God also gives everybody a certain degree of natural talent, opportunity, genetics, whereas a spiritual gift is something that is uniquely personal to you and infused by the Holy Spirit. It is a part of your spiritual genetics that you get from the Holy Spirit himself. It's not passing. Just because my dad was gifted spiritually in, let's say, you know, being able to perform miracles through the power of Jesus does not automatically mean that when I'm born, that passed to me genetically. However, my mom's granddad, or my mom's father, my granddad on my mom's side, his head looks like mine. Genetically speaking, that just came through my genetics. So you can see how someone who, um, genetically speaking, it's also a product of your environment. Do you think there's only one person who was born with the ability to compose like Mozart? You might be born with the genetic ability to be able to do something, but if it's never identified or cultivated, you might not ever realize or experience it. So there's a certain part of your environment and your opportunities that play into that too. Whereas with a spiritual gift, that's something given to you directly from God through His Spirit that comes alive in you when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior at salvation. So you very well could have a natural gift of being able to teach. And you can teach math, or you can teach science, or you can teach baseball, or you can teach coaching. And it just comes with more natural effic- efficiency, enthusiasm, and ease and effectiveness than a person who doesn't have that same natural gift who's trying to do it. Trust me, my son has been coached by people who have a good ability to coach and people who just were there because somebody needed to be there. And there's a big difference. But that does not automatically mean, nor does it automatically exclude you from the possibility of receiving from God the spiritual gift of teaching. But that spiritual gift of teaching that God gives is not simply to teach people math. The spiritual gift of teaching, if we believe what Paul writes to us, is specifically to be able to take concepts that are true about God and Jesus and communicate it to other people in the form that their faith is built and or that unbelievers can understand the truth about Jesus. You may have the gift of teaching math, but not, you you may have a talent that God gave you to teach math, but that may not mean you also have the same gift to teach Romans, By the same virtue, you may have a spiritual gift to teach people Romans, but you would not want to teach third grade math if your life depended upon it. I realize I'm not going as deep into this as is possible, but I want to at least give you a couple differentiations. It's different in who it comes from and how that gift or talent was received. And then the second differentiation is who or for what purpose are you using that gift or talent? The spiritual gifts specifically always are put into one of two buckets. And Paul says, you got a gift to help each other out speaking about the church. When you read further on, and he's giving instructions for how to use the manifestation gifts. Words of knowledge, words of prophecy, words of wisdom, tongues and interpretation. He says specifically, if you're going to use these gifts, they need to do two things. They need to build up the church, and they need to be assigned to unbelievers. In other words, if what you're doing in a church service, you're giving a word or you're taking time to talk to people spontaneously through something you believe God is showing you and you're trying out one of your spiritual gifts. We want to make sure as you're trying it out, we're teaching you that spiritual gift needs to do at least one of two things. It needs to build up other believers. There needs to be an action step that you can give a believer to do based on what they heard that's drawing them closer to God and or it needs to be a sign of unbelievers. One of the things I really make sure that we practice here at Echo is anytime someone has a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, they want to speak in tongues and there's an interpretation, anytime those things go on, it is incumbent upon me as the leader to make sure in order for that to be considered in order that when that moment when that moment is is coming to a point of response that we take time, A, to make sure we understood what was said and everybody heard it. B, that what was said is consistent with the word of God and that's in alignment with who he is, with his character. And then third, that we're giving you an opportunity to respond and take action. If we can't do that, then it didn't really serve anybody any value. So when I'm teaching people how to get comfortable in using those specific gifts, it's one thing to see or hear what you think God is saying, then there has to be a maturity to understand how do I take what God is showing me and put words to it in such a way that other people can be built up and want to respond. I mean, listen, you can see a really cool thing from God and you can get the tone in your words wrong and misrepresent him. God might be speaking to you, showing you a word of encouragement to people, and if it comes out of your mouth in an angry tone in King James language, right, you're putting barriers up. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I do want you to see there is, in some of these gifts, it's much easier to differentiate between what is someone's natural talent and what is their spiritual gift. A gift of healing, some of the manifestation gifts. It's just easier to say, okay, that obviously came from God. That was not just some talent they had since they were seven. At the same time, as some of them, they're a little murkier. It's like, okay, where does their talent end and their gifting begin? And I don't know that the point is to parse it out. So much, in some ways, there's a beautiful and mysterious collaboration between natural gifts that we have, and then when we surrender our life to Jesus, how he might, through his spirit, infuse something special and additional into that, that allows us to take a natural gift that we had already been developing, and now, with the Holy Spirit, our ceiling gets raised exponentially, and now we want to take that gift, and at least in part of our life, deploy it for building up believers, and for being an arrow to unbelievers. I had so many more stories I wanted to share with you. um, About Well, for example, you know, you take some athletes, um, you know, like someone like Steph Curry, who's a great basketball, he's injured right now, but he's a great shooter. One of the best shooters in basketball in history. And he can drain threes and he can shoot from half court. Um, And, you know, some people might say, well, God gave him the gift, the spiritual gift of long distance basketball shooting. And I don't want us to get hung up on terminology. In a sense, they're right. And in a a, a truly legalistic, biblical sense, I I don't think they're right. Did God create him with a certain genetic disposition to perform well in athletics if given the right environment and combined with his work ethic and his? Absolutely. And his dad was a great basketball player. His dad's name is Del Curry. Steph's brother, Seth, is also a basketball player. He plays for the Mavericks. And he's a great shooter. Steph also happens to be a child of God. And at times, because of the platform that he has, he speaks openly about his faith, about repentance, about his walk with the Lord. Also because of the platform that he has, everything he does is magnified. And there's a certain scrutiny that he lives under that you and I don't live under. So is is his spiritual gift basketball because it gave him a platform or maybe is his spiritual gift evangelism, and did God allow his natural abilities to give him a platform to put words to his faith and to impact people, and his gift of evangelism neatly fits together with his talent for basketball? Just some thoughts, okay? Again, I, most of my experience in life has been talking to 15 and 16-year-olds about discovering their gift and the one who thinks that their gift is basketball and the one who get, understands their gift is missions helping them try and understand the difference between those things, and I totally just closed out my notes. Everybody's thankful that that happened. (laughs) At what point in the timeline of my life does God give this gift to me? Does it happen before I'm saved, immediately at salvation, after salvation? I'm not exactly sure at what moment that all happens, and I think it's a very interesting conversation to have but I'm going to give you a very unsatisfying answer this morning. For the purposes of our discussion, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. Even if you're murky on it, that doesn't mean that right now, if you're a believer, that you need to figure that out before you start looking for what gift God has given you. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter when you got it. It's do you know what it is? Are you using it? What are you using it for? Okay. That's not to say there aren't answers. There are but because of our time this morning, I can't dig too deep into that one. Another question, is the list of spiritual gifts that in the Bible exhaustive? Is it complete? Or is it possible that there are more gifts than we can find listed here? A lot of my growing up had to do with there are 27 spiritual gifts. Take this 500 question test and it will tell you which of the 27 you have. On that gift list were things like martyrdom, celibacy, and they're referred to in the New Testament, okay? But those questions were the ones I kind of already knew how to answer. Do you have a desire to be married? Yes, right, for me. Do you want to die? No, you know, like some of those were easy. I don't mean to poke fun at them, but at the same time, some of them are like, here's what I believe in the interest of time. Here's what I believe. This is opinion, but it's based on what I read in the scripture. I don't believe the list of spiritual gifts named in the New Testament is meant to be exhaustive Or complete. But I do think it's a pretty solid grouping to begin with. Here's why. The three main lists that we get don't have a lot of duplication. They're three unique lists. One is in 1 Corinthians. Another one's in Romans. And a third one's in Ephesians. 1 Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians. All three little lists, partial lists, if we're saying this is exhaustive, were sent in letters to how many different groups of people? One went to Corinth... One went to Rome, one went to Ephesus. Who wrote all three letters? Same author. Here's my reasoning. If he meant there to be one list, if he felt like God was saying, Paul, you need to write down these 27 things, number them 1 through 27, wouldn't it make sense that he sent the whole list to Corinth? The same identical list to Rome and the same identical list to Ephesus because these poor Christians, none of them then had a complete list. They all had a third of it or less. The poor Romans would have never found out about some of these gifts. The Ephesians would have never found out about the other two-thirds. So if they were meant to be complete lists altogether, those poor first Christians missed out. So I don't think it's meant to be an exhaustive list because there's certain things you don't see in here. There's no title in here for using musical gifts to lift people up into worship there is no listing in here for creative things now at the same time could you say that someone who's using musical talent and giftings to lead this there's a difference between using your ability as a singer songwriter you might be a world-class vocalist like look adele is a world-class vocalist she is not a product of good studio you listen to her sing live that's very unique She's got a ridiculous vocal range. The tone of her voice, the way she can control her vibrato, the way she can do beautiful runs and do all kinds of, and then transfer all this pain in her life into music. That's talent. That's talent. But it's a different thing to be able to take those abilities and lead a group of 200 people into the presence of God in worship. Now Adele, when she sings, And you watch some live videos, it annoys me, but sometimes the crowd's singing louder than she is and not as well. She is leading tens of thousands of people in singing the same songs, and that's powerful. It moves people to tears. You think about 10,000 people probably can't agree on anything but the volume and the lyrics of this song, and they all like it. But it's a far different thing to take your ability as a musician or a singer-songwriter, and take those skills and apply them to building up other believers, being assigned to unbelievers, communicating something invisible about God through the instrument of song, and then leading people in the presence of God through it. You may have talent as a musician, but that is different from having some type of God-given gift to lead people into worship. Do you understand some of the nuance there? A doesn't necessarily imply B, okay? Okay. Um, I hope I haven't muddied the water here. So I don't believe that it's an exhaustive list, and I don't want you to feel limited by, you know, my goodness. I also don't want you to feel this pressure to have to name your gift. It might not have a neat one-word title. At the same time, I want you to be able to discover what God has uniquely deposited in you through his spirit that you can do with joy and fulfillment and efficiency and effectiveness to build up other believers and to be assigned to unbelievers. And I want you to discover it, deploy it, develop it, and I want you to use it because you'll build up. You will bless God. You will build up others and you'll find fulfillment and satisfaction within yourself. Point number three is I hurry on to close. It's very unlikely that the Apostle Paul intended to supply an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts fight me no I'm just kidding but no I'm just that's my that's my opinion based on biblical things okay however we can see at least maybe three general categories in which all these 27 gifts can fall into some of them might be able to fall into more than one let me just give you these are my own words and I picked again I'm sorry I gave you three words earlier that started with the same letter I did it again sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't And I listen. You know me well enough to know that I only do this if it makes it more clear and more sticky. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to try. But this time it did. Every now and again, you know, God throws me a bone and it works out. Here's the three buckets that I see: ministry gifts, you can leave that screen up. Ministry, manifestation, motivation. Okay. A lot of these gifts that Paul lists, or maybe ones you've discovered, are ministry gifts. It's a spiritual gift that helps an individual to communicate or express or convey, or carry, or transmit, or demonstrate, any of those words, the truth about Jesus to an unbeliever, and or build up the faith of believers. I gave you some examples earlier. Things like teaching, helping, serving, pastoring, prophets, evangelists. Those are kind of ministry gifts. God gives those to us to take invisible things about God and make them plain to people in terms of their understanding, so it builds up their faith. Or it's assigned to unbelievers. That's a ministry gift. Okay. Another category I see is manifestation. These are spirit, these are the ones that tend to divide up churches. I think we have the most difficulty around these, trying to figure out what these were for, when these are for, how are these to be used. Um, a ma- manifestation gifts are the ones that grouping you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Spiritual gifts that help an individual make God's spirit tangible. Sensible understa- sensible understanding, or able to be sensed through the senses, to others, in order for both believers and unbelievers to experience in Him in unique and undeniable ways. We're taking some invisible knowledge about God that it reveals to us abstractly through His spirit and we make it concrete so people can hear it, sense it, see it, feel it. Miracles. words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy. Tongues and interpretation, the gift of faith, these are manifestation gifts. There is a tangible sensory component, taking something invisible or abstract about God and letting it be felt or sensed in a unique moment or way, okay? And the third category I see here are motivation gifts. These are really cool. I see some of the titling of gifts is really God takes a particular motivation or motive in you, and he just... With his spirit, he He turns the dial on that way up, and you just have a certain drive in you for something that's God-honoring, that you, your switch is just almost always on, a a, a a gift that elevates a specific motive in a person's heart that energizes them to serve others in specific needs, circumstances, or opportunities. Like, you just have a heart for compassion, for mercy, for hospitality. You You just... You always want to make people feel welcome and calm. It's just a motive. You don't want anybody to feel like they're left out. You, just, you, want, you want to see people being uh, always accepted and taken in, compassion, giving. You just have a heart to give and give and give and give, and more so than the normal bear. Now, one thing I do have to tack on here really quick. In some of these things, just because you're not gifted in an area doesn't mean you're exempt and having to develop it to some degree. Now, not all of them. If you're not gifted to do miracles, I don't want you to go around pretending. <laughs> okay? but that's not the press the church needs. Okay. But I have a lot of times, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of giving. Okay, Maybe you don't have the gift of giving, but there's a command to give. You're not exempt from that. Some people are just gifted to be able to give with more passion, with more generosity, with more Whatever. <laughs> Than others. And for them, there's a gift of giving. Pastors all around the world are praying these people into their congregations, right? But that doesn't mean that just because you don't have that spiritual gift, that God says, you know what, you're exempt from giving. Well, I don't have the gift of hospitality so I can just be who I am and use my gift of nasty. No. You don't get a pass on that either. <laughs> so, uh, a lot more to be said about that, but I hope in those few moments you, you understand that. Um, let me. Uh, goodness I can't do any of that let's here's what we're gonna do let's skip to the application part I'll save me some meat on the bone for next week how can I discover what spiritual gift or gifts God's given me I'm gonna give you three ways real quick okay how can I discover these first way that I look for is self-awareness and self-examination you know you right if you're a believer if you've got your faith in Jesus Here's a couple couple questions I ask people. I'm just going to throw these out and we'll keep trucking along. If you learned this morning that a close friend's house burned down, what would be your first response? Would you call to check on them? Would you organize meals? Would you offer to donate money? Would you ask to bring them into your house? Would you volunteer to do something physical? Would you say a prayer? Some of those initial responses you have might help you figure out Maybe where some of your gifting lies, because within that, there's all, you know, people who are, are really given to things like uh, giving are going to, like, hey, I want to give them food. I want to give them money. I want, well, you might say, you know what? I wouldn't have any response. Okay, um, we need to work on something else with you if that happened. <laughs> but some of those just learning yourself, think back over your life, which, when you hear of a specific need that comes up in your circle, which ones are you more quick to want to respond to, and how do you, is it easier for you to write a check Than to go give five hours of your time. There's nothing wrong with that. But it might help you understand who you are and have a degree of honesty and just start looking into your heart and into your life and say, how do I respond in different ways? What are something you can do for God with what are things you currently can do for God to serve him or unbelievers with more fulfillment, efficiency, and effectiveness than maybe other people can? What are certain feelings, interests, passions, or activities that if you were taken away from you would make you feel incomplete? What could you get up and tackle every day? all those questions have an incompleteness to them. You might be able to, listen, I could get up every single day and play Fortnite for eight hours. Might not be your spiritual gift, okay? The next question is, okay, that thing you can tackle every day, is that something that's advancing the kingdom and pointing unbelievers to Jesus? Then you go back to step one. What are other things? For me, I could get up every day and teach. I could get up every day and teach. Some of the happiest days I had to ministry was when I was serving uh, at a church in Georgia. It was a really big church, and my schedule every week was uh, on Sunday mornings at 8.30, I taught an hour-long leadership class. At 9.30, I taught an hour-long Sunday school class. At 10.30, I went to big church. Sunday night, I went to big church where I was receiving teaching. Monday through Thursday, every week for two hours, I, I, taught, uh, I taught Bible college courses. Wednesday mornings, I taught high school chapel. Wednesday night, I taught high school service, and all the lessons were unique and different. And even though my physical batteries might have been drained, I was never drained spiritually. Because when you're serving and you're gifting, it just drains your batteries at a different pace than when you're serving outside of your gifting. When I was in Ecuador, we would spend 12 hours and I would sit at the table next to Charmaine and uh, we would fill prescriptions, which is legal for me to do in Ecuador. I'm telling you, after... And while I'm there, I... I'm watching all of our other volunteers that are doing nursing and being doctors, and, and, and they're thriving, and they're, I mean, they're just, they're slapping high fives, and I'm just trying to keep my eyes open. Like, I'm just sitting at a desk trying to, the three or four words of Spanish I know, handing out ibuprofen to people. I was exhausted, and we'd push through till like six o'clock, and then we'd go to church, and they'd ask me to preach for three hours, and I came alive. And I'm like, you know, I'm preaching, and you know, they don't even know what I'm saying. I don't know what the interpreter was saying. He might have preached a totally different message, but I was, just, I was just on fire. I was going. I could be loud and demonstrative and, 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 you know, calling people to the altar. And everybody came forward, and I'm just like, I'm just feeling like, I, I, in that moment, I'm just feeling like I have unlimited energy. And at one point, I look out, and everybody from our team, I think, except Moses was asleep. <laughs> I'm on a high. And they're like, you know Why? <laughs> Our batteries and our giftings drain at different paces. did not mean, mean they were terrible people or that they didn't love Jesus. They spent 12 hours thriving in their gifting, but when it came time to teach the Bible and it wasn't their gifting, they recognized how tired they were. I always feel energized while I'm teaching, and then at 11.31, I'm ready for a nap and not to see people for a day. Right? We'll move on. <laughs> Second thing, personal experience, and I just shared some of that with you. What kind of, when, what types of activities do you do in your life where you actually feel closest to God? Can you think back on just a moment like what I had where I'm like, man, when I think, I have people say, man, I think back in that time I was taking blood pressure for people in Ecuador, I never felt closer to God. Well, pastor, were they using natural talents or gifts? Well, in that moment, they were not getting paid for it. They were teaching and taking something, they were using their gift of compassion through the filter of natural talents God gave them to have a unique opportunity to express God's love to people that they wouldn't have any other way. And in that moment, they were using it as a gift to to bridge the gap between people who didn't know about Jesus in a language we didn't even understand, but we can connect. It wasn't just that they were able to take blood pressure. It was how they looked at them. It was why they were taking They were taking that blood pressure with a different motive than when they were over at Franklin Square doing it on the clock might have still been compassion but there were some other things going on but over here it was all compassion and they probably felt a different sense of pleasure they got up every day ready hey man we did 10 hours yesterday what if we could do 14 hours a day how many more people could we see finally you could take a spiritual gifts assessment tool and our team's going to get ready to show you a video Um, in your inbox if some of you have already checked it um, you will receive today an email. We sent this out last year, and a lot, a lot of you already took us up on this offer. In fact, over 20 of you did this, and it, it's been really awesome. Another thing you can do, not the only thing you can do, and these are not perfect, but sometimes it might help to use a spiritual gifts assessment tool, where you take like a survey of, a, of some different questions that help you maybe narrow down how God has gifted you. There's a tool that I've used, that our pastors have used, and our directors have used. It's an online tool that we've used to help Check up on our spiritual gifts to see, you know, to either confirm what we already think or maybe see how we've changed over the years. We're going to roll this video for you. It's four minutes long, and then I'm going to close. And in fact, as the video is rolling, worship team, why don't you come and join me? Let's check this out. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Pastor Phil here, and I am excited to share with you a simple discovery tool that Echo is going to begin using to help each of us identify the specific spiritual gifts that God's given us. The resource is completely free. It only takes 15 minutes of your time and an internet connection to complete. I actually just finished going through this for the second time myself, and so I'm going to show you how this actually works. When you follow the link in the email we send to you or if you just go to gifts.churchgrowth.org you'll land on this page you will want to click on the get started button underneath the individual edition this is the free option i told you about next you'll be directed to this welcome page here you're going to find a few simple words of introduction along with some easy to understand instructions for how to get the most out of this spiritual gift survey Now it's time to actually begin the survey. This survey is really a discovery tool that consists of 108 questions or statements about yourself and how you think you are wired. So for each statement or question, just choose one of the three possible responses that best describes you. To show you how easy this is, I've actually included some of my own responses for you to see. I can tell you from start to finish, it took me about 10 minutes for me to complete it. After you've completed the survey, you'll be directed to a completion page where you'll be asked to provide some basic information in order for you to view your results. From my own personal experience, I can assure you I've received no spam emails and no robocalls whatsoever. Once you've registered, it's time to view your results. Just click the green view results button and give it a few seconds to process your survey responses. Okay, so here are my results. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll see what are believed to be your dominant gifts. For me, I've identified strongest connections to teaching, shepherding, and administration gifts. Another option you have from this screen is to share your results. It would be really helpful for our pastors to come alongside you in discovering your gifts. So we encourage you to click the Send Results button and then enter the email for Pastor James or Pastor Phil when you're prompted. After you've reviewed your results, don't forget to check your inbox. You should see two emails from churchgrowth.org. Inside these two emails are resources and links for you to learn more about your specific gifts. There's also a link in these emails for you to access your survey results at any time and even retake it if you'd like. I hope you can see how simple this survey really is. My challenge is for all of ECHO's adults and middle school students and high school students to use this tool at least once every year. Uh, Having said that, I do understand that no one specific spiritual gifts assessment tool is perfect. For example, this particular tool emphasizes what we would call ministry gifts or motive gifts. These are spiritual gifts that God gives uh, that are abilities or skills that we can use to build other people up. We can apply them to our employment or our job. They work really well in church teams. What this survey doesn't dig so much into is the manifestation gifts, what we would call things like uh, prophecy, faith. A lot of the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gifts the words of wisdom words of knowledge Uh, however i can tell you this is a really good start and i can tell you from personal experience that discovering how god has gifted me personally has been enormously helpful in my discipleship journey and i know it will do the same for you so thanks for taking time to check this out and if you're ready to get started right away here's that link one more time Thanks for laying down the vocals for that track, Keith. I appreciate that. That sounded really good. Sat in with the Sunday service choir. We really appreciate your your flexibility and bringing all the styles to the table. This is something we can all do. Okay. I just want us to. I'm. I'm really, especially as we're getting ready to move in to our new ministry center here in a few months. What I imagine about us moving into there is even being more intentional about helping. My job is to equip you to do the work that God's designed you to do, and I think it's extremely important for us as a pastoral team to be more intentional and simple and direct about encouraging you to discover how God's gifted you, to and then help you find ways to deploy that, whether it's here at church, whether it's outside of church or in the community or or, or through your employment, we believe that that's just part of the reason God put us here on earth. We don't want to be robbing God, others, and ourselves. We want to be blessing God, blessing others, and receiving uh, God's blessing through that type of activity. So spend some time this week examining yourself and or thinking through personal experience. Sometimes it's trial and error. You might think you have the gift of teaching children and after three weeks you're like, that's definitely not for me. Okay, that's okay too. Trial and error helps. Um, maybe use this assessment tool to help you narrow down some of those options because as we move into our new ministry center, one thing I have in my mind about how I imagine that working is we are going to be going less after making sure everybody is serving somewhere whether you want to or not. We're more interested in saying how has God designed you and how can we help you to be plugged into an area where you're gifted because guess what? Everybody who experiences teaching with gifted teachers is going to get a better experience. Everybody who experiences prayer through different people who are gifted in those areas. We just believe that the energy and the excitement and the meaning that can be accomplished when we come together is that much more impactful when we follow God's design for truly being his body. We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, We'd love to celebrate with you and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. Just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com. Thanks so much for listening.